Sometimes the Seventh-day Adventist Church is considered a weird denomination with numbers like 1844 and 2,300 days. But on this episode, we're going to look how it's rooted in Jesus Christ. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey friends, it's Justin from Inverse. I'm in the studio with my friends here. We are concluding our 13-week study on the book of Daniel. If you haven't got a chance already, go to inversebible.org where you'll find the entire series of our Bible study guide there. And uh, we're in episode 13, but you'll look at the other 12 and see where what you know, what you don't know, and what you want to learn again. We're in Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to have a prayer by Israel, and we'll dive into this week's episode on Adventist identity. Is Adventist another denomination? Is it a biblical identity? What is it, and why is it so weird? <laughs> so let's pray, and we'll get into it, Israel. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have been with us throughout uh, this series and as we conclude today, we pray that you join us one more time. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. 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 Callie, can you read from Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 through 27? Yes. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision." Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks." The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Okay, thanks, Kelly. Again, this is another passage that's very like whole wheat, uh, <laughs> unrefined, raw grain bread. Uh, good stuff here. We need to be very careful that, again, these are the, the, the prophetic portions of the book of Daniel. They are just as important as, as the narratives, but the narratives emphasize the, the attributes that we need. We need humility, transparency. We need godliness. We need patience. We need uh, temperance, all these things. And they feed into helping us understand the, these prophecies. If you don't espouse some of these things, just understanding at first glance may be a little bit overwhelming and like, what is going on? So especially when it comes to Daniel chapter 9, uh, Jonathan, mm -hmm. uh, what 
What's going on in Daniel chapter 9? Set us up. We talked about yeah. the prayer earlier before in, in, the, in the season. Yeah, so as far as time, uh, the timeline is concerned, we are here now at the beginning of the Medo-Persian Empire. Daniel, who saw in the prophecies that the Babylonian Empire will be overthrown, sees it in his own, with his own eyes. The Medo-Persian Empire takes over. It's the first year of Darius. And so now Daniel is realizing the 70-year prophecy of Jeremiah concerning his people is coming to a close. Mm. And so Daniel starts praying. Mm. And he's praying and he's asking God to, to reveal himself to his people and to, to you know, bring a restoration to Israel. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he had experienced, uh, just not too long before that, uh, the prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 mm. that talked about 2,300 years and the sanctuary will be destroyed. Yes. And so Daniel was very concerned because he thought it would only be 70 years, not 2,300. Yeah. And so he's praying very freaking intensely. Out. He's yeah. freaking out. Yeah. And so we see here now, as in the passage that Callie read, um, that God is having mercy on Daniel's situation and is sending the angel Gabriel to explain things to him. Mm-hmm. And this is what we read here, uh, in, in starting in verse 20. Here, the, God is giving Daniel, um, through Gabriel, an explanation of what this, uh, what this 70-week prophecy that he's giving him here is all about concerning his people in the light of the, the bigger prophecy of Daniel chapter 8. And mm-hmm. We're going to go into that today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Israel. I have nothing. Oh, I have something that you look like. It's okay. So what is going on here? So Gabriel is explaining uh, the prophecy. Uh, he was about to explain everything in chapter 8, mm-hmm. but Daniel kind of faints because yeah. he can't handle it. So there's a pause. Daniel 9, he's praying, 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 and it's the continuation of yes. what he talked about in Daniel chapter 8. Yes? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan? Sure, I, if you want me to, I can continue since Israel has nothing to no, say. No, 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 okay, you're <laughs> looking at me like I need to say something. Okay, go for it. No, I mean, it's just uh, the connection between Daniel 9 and 8 is yes. so crucial. Yes. Um, that here, when we go into uh, verse, um, let's see here, 24 of yes. Daniel 9, it says, 70 weeks are determined for your people. Mm-hmm. And the word here that's being used is uh, for determined is in Hebrew a word that means cut off. Or uh, it also has the connotation Katak. of... Khatat. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, cutting something off. Khatat. <laughs> and when you say, uh, cut off from what? Uh, in German, it sounds like that. Okay. <laughs> maybe it's more Japanese. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. We're going to get emails from Japan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> the 70 weeks are uh, cut off from something. Well, what? Well, it points back to the 2,300 days. So, we are given here a very interesting connection that helps us determine when those 2,300-year uh, prophecy begins yeah. and, and where it points to. And so, Daniel is given, given more insight here. And I don't know how much you want me to go into the details here, but it's... Uh, well, it, let me, it's, let's slow down. Let me sure. recap a little bit here. So, Daniel chapter 8, we see we have a, we have a large prophecy, mm-hmm. a very large prophecy mm-hmm. about uh, 2,300 days. Yeah, it starts in 457 and ends... 457 B.C. and ends in uh, 1844. And this 1844 is a big uh, year mm-hmm. for Seventh-day Adventists. Our denomination comes, uh, roots its existence in 1844. Mm-hmm. So here's the point. I mean, uh, many of you may be thinking, ah, numbers, I hate math, and you're freaking out. But just know, 457 to 1844 is this time span that Daniel 8 was talking about. Mm-hmm. Now we're in Daniel chapter 9, yeah? And as Daniel was, uh, not Daniel, mm-hmm. as, as Jonathan was saying, <laughs> then we have another prophecy, the 490 years, and it just pops out of nowhere, comes out, 490, right? And so the mystery is, where does this 490 start and end and just kind of Mm. floats around? And some people say, yeah, 
It just floats <laughs> around. We have no idea where it goes. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, th- Jonathan said, through his uh, Japanese interpretation of the, of the Hebrew word and German, uh, and German uh, <laughs> 70 weeks are cut off, are determined, meaning they're attached to this 457. Now, you may think this is kind of complicated or uh, is this level of detail necessary, but this entire episode is saying it is, and, and, and wait for it, wait for it. Uh, it, it's, it, comes, it so the, the two prophecies start at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, now, Jonathan, please explain for us the 450 from that point on, or not 450, the 490. <laughs> what is the 490? Yeah. Why is it important? So, why is Daniel talking about I don't know why you're saying 490 because we haven't read 490 here. Anyways. We have 490. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, get there. <laughs> we'll explain here. Um, as we know, in prophecy, we have uh, one day equals a year. Yes. Okay? And so we see 70 weeks. One yes. week is seven days. 70 yes. times seven is 490. That's where the 490 yeah. comes from. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yes, that's what you tried to say. <laughs> Good. But some people don't see that right okay, away. Okay, hopefully so. you're tracking with yes. us. I mean, is, we get very excited about this. Okay, keep yes. going. Yes, but um, so we know that it starts, it tells us here, uh, the 70 weeks um, are given. And then in verse 25, it gives us the starting point. Know therefore to understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, when, when was this? You mentioned it, 457. Mm-hmm. Okay, from then on, in the time span between 457 and the next 490 years, some things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then that's what Daniel 9 is talking about here mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple of verses. Yes. And we say in, tw- in verse 26 that after 62 weeks, uh, the Messiah shall be cut off. And then uh, we see then again in verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. This is talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So yes. now we are suddenly in a very interesting time for all Christians. Um, this is Jesus' Jesus's life. Die. Exactly. Jesus yes. will die yes. at the end, uh, in the middle of this last week of this prophecy. Yes. So we have a connection between 457, Daniel uh, 1844, and Jesus' life and death ministry here on earth. So this is a very powerful point that we need to understand, that these prophecies point to Christ. It's rooted in Christ. Yes. And this influences everything else we understand about the prophecy. Yeah. From, yeah. The, from, the, like from the beginning of time, you can actually see over and over and over how God is always on time. Mm. And then the life of Christ in the, in the, in the uh, Gospels, over and over we hear the phrase, when the fullness of time uh, had passed or yeah. had come. That's all referencing here. Yeah, yeah it's all referencing here. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there's, yeah, so there's, in, God has a timeline in which he, he, he moves, right? Yes. And, and the beauty of the, of the prophecies of Jesus is that it gives us a clear understanding and a clear picture that Jesus was not just a charismatic figure, mm. but that he was, the, in fact, the Son of God. He fulfilled mm-hmm. the prophecies according to the Old Testament that he would yes. come, that he would, that he would, uh, you know, have this ministry of healing and of preaching, yes. and that he would actually die and and, and uh, bring an end to the uh, sacrifice, sac- sacrificial services of the Old Testament mm-hmm. sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 Kelly. Um, I was just going to say, I don't know if I'm going ahead, but mm-hmm. I'm excited about this. Go for it. You anyways, yeah. of, you know, I think I've heard the 70 weeks prophecy, um, not just by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but like, gener- like all different denominations believe this and like can see it and see how Jesus, you know, came. But then 1844 is like, well, that's like an Adventist thing. Yeah. Like no one else actually thinks that. But because they're links, it's like, well, you can't, why do you just believe in this part of the prophecy, but the other prophecy is just for those weird Adventists? Yes. But like in order to believe that Jesus came at the right time, you also have to believe 1844, like something happened there as well. Yeah. You can't just choose one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you all catch that? I mean, well, Kelly, is, 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 this, is, this is huge. This is huge. This is, this is just <laughs> fundamentally huge. So gee, if we believe Jesus died 
and then the Jesus' death was prophesied. Right it's, 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 it's boom. It's, it's rooted in history, yeah? So then we, we go back to, from this, from this prophecy, we backtrack 490, and we go rooted in 457 AD, uh, uh, BC, and then slingshots all the way back for 2,300 days to 1844. Meaning, if you believe Jesus died, then you have to believe 1844. The two prophecies are linked together through Jonathan's uh, Japanese-German chop, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> that one word, that one Hebrew word connects these two prophecies together. Mm-hmm. And that just is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So here's the question. Is Adventism, the Seventh-day Adventist Church that believes in 1844, the creation of, the, uh, of, of this denomination and the cleansing of the sanctuary, is this just a, 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 a small little thing uh, that, that a, a small group of people believe? Or is this fundamental to Earth's history and, and the future of, 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 of what's their destiny for our world? <laughs> what's, what are the implications? Of well, the implications are that, I mean, we have studied some of this already, that in 1844, the investigative judgment in heaven began. Mm. This is when things are wrapping up. This is the time of the end. This is why we are talking here on this show a lot yeah, about yeah, yeah. these last days. I mean, we talked in the book of Daniel about uh, how our characters need to be ready for these end times. And so uh, it's fundamentally connected to that. Yeah, speaking of end times, uh, we, have, we have to take a break. So we'll come <laughs> back and then we'll talk about more about this. We have more time. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back to this episode on Adventist identity. Adventist transcending more than a denomination, but believing in Jesus came the first time, the first Advent, and then looking to hope, looking in the hope that Jesus will come the second time, the second Advent. Uh, these are the two prophecies, 1844 and 490, uh, all 2300 and, and the 490. Of, anyway, a lot of numbers in this, <laughs> this episode. They're all linked together. And I want to ask you this question is, um, is it that, uh, do you feel sometimes in, in, uh, in, in the Adventist church that we are a small uh, denomination and it's an optional attachment to Christianity? Mm-hmm. And what does this prophecy really show that we, uh, about the Adventist identity? Mm-hmm. I think Kelly. it can be portrayed that way, especially when we're not aware of this prophecy or maybe we learned it at one time but forgot about it. Mm. It's kind of like, well, yeah, Adventism is just the flavor of Christianity I've chosen. Mm. And I just, I like their song service mm. or I like their potlucks okay. <laughs> or, or, you know, just something else besides Some this. more colloquial than something more. Yeah, important. or they're just like the culture yes. of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And especially if you grew up in it, it can be like, well, yeah, it's just the the direction my family chose and that's where I'm going. Yes. Um, but when you look at it in a biblical sense, this is, I mean, 1844 and what came out of that and many other things about the Adventist faith, especially like the heavenly sanctuary. Yes. These things aren't just things that we found and we think they're cool so we keep them, but they're just, they're rooted in the Bible. Mm-hmm. In a lot of passages that people read, they're like, mm, I don't understand, but it's okay, I'll move on. Mm-hmm. But Adventism, I mean, this just, it came out of a deep study of the word. I mean, like, mm-hmm. whoa, no one else really talked about this or we didn't notice this before and now we're learning things and so the Adventist faith wasn't like, we want to change this because we don't like it. But they're like, we're staying faithful to the Bible and no one does it in this exact way. Mm-hmm. So I guess we need to create a new denomination because we need to be faithful to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The implications of scripture, I think, are so radical in their nature. And, and, and what I love about what we've discovered in the book of Daniel is that the message is always attached to the messenger, that God wants to impact the messenger 
through the message. And so, and that the end goal is always godliness. Mm -hmm. Through this discovery, we've seen that the, that God is radical, right? And, and that his people are called to be radical. Mm -hmm. And if that is true, like for example, if Daniel is going to be willing to give his life up for his devotional life, right? If he's going to make a big deal out of something so small Small. as diet, if he's going to do all these things, there needs to be a good reason for that. Mm -hmm. Right. You, your message needs to be rooted. If you're if you're called to do something radical, then the message needs to demand and support that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. The reason why to me this prophecy is extremely important as the seventh day Adventist myself is because if this is not true, then what in the world am I am I doing in life? Being You know, there's people right. who die because of this message. Right. Yeah. There's people who sacrifice jobs because of this message. If this message is in fact true, and if it's rooted in the Word of God, then it has implications. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a young child, I still remember it like it was yesterday. My my father was a truck driver. He used to, he used to drive trucks. And I remember that he had a hard time finding a job. And he, he put me and my brother in a car. We went to uh, a trucking company, a transportation company. And this was it. This was, through some connections, this was his opportunity to get a job. And I remember him going into an interview and my brother and I waiting in the car. And he came out of the interview and he was, he was down and discouraged. And I was thinking to myself, why are you so down? Why are you so discouraged? And in the conversation, I realized that they said the only way you can have this job to support your family is if you're willing to work on the, on the Sabbath, the seven-day Sabbath. And he was unwilling to do that. Mm. And so the implications of that, to me, really, really struck me. Like, this religion is not just, is not just something that we do culturally. It's not just something that is in addition to. This is not just a place where you go to get a religious fix. This has implications for the rest of your life. And as a young child, that really impacted me. Like, if this is such a big deal, there better be a solid foundation Mm -hmm. for why my father is doing this. Mm -hmm. And so we have to ask ourselves, the religion that we live, if it's not rooted and grounded in Scripture, then why are we doing it? And here you have, in the Seventh Adventist Church, you just don't have a strong message, but you have a prophetic understanding and a prophetic foundation for why you exist. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it, it, gives, it gives a context for why you are called to live a, a life that is radically committed to Christ. So these are the, the, the bigger questions that arise out of this. Yes, we've got to know what our prophecies and we've got to do the mathematics and do the algebra and the trigonometry to understand all this. But be, beyond that is what's more important, believing or belonging? Mm-hmm. What's first? Mm-hmm. And actually how these two work together impacts... Exactly what we talk about, why we're doing why why all of this exists, mm-hmm. and how the, our life questions are really answered. Depending on that, how these two are, are structured, yeah. they impact every, every relationship, how we use our money, how we brush our teeth, everything. Yes. And what I've personally found even more difficult, um, so the belonging versus believing, is not just comparing to people outside the church, mm. but comparing to people inside the church. Mm. Um, so saying, like, you know, I, I, keep, I keep the Sabbath, and these, this is the way that I do it, and someone's like, well, I mean, I'm an Adventist too. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. It's right. like, uh, right. th- that's that a lot harder. The challenge. Because then you're not even belonging to Adventism yes. in, in a sense, right? Yes. Because you feel, and so that's what it comes down to, though. Like, are you part of the Adventist club? Or are you doing things because you believe 
the word of God and mm. the way you read, this is how you keep the Sabbath, this is how you honor God, this is the heavenly sanctuary, this is how you carry yourself, da da da, da. Mm. But is it because, because you can do peer pressure both ways. You can yes. do peer pressure to stay outside the church or peer pressure to stay in the church. That's true. Mm. And wherever you go, there are going to be people who will peer pressure you in a good way and in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has to come down to not just being part of the right group if it's Adventist, but are you doing things because you are convinced in your heart and your mind of what the Bible says and you're living according to that conviction mm-hmm. that God has given you. Mm-hmm. Well said, you know, well said, well said. Yeah, well said. I, <laughs> I mean it, I mean it. Thanks. <laughs> Jonathan, so, follow up? Um, <laughs> what I think with believing and belonging, yes. uh, in Jesus you find a balance of both. So when in his ministry, he was inclusive. He came to people and he, he ministered to their needs. He was close with them and he embraced those who were secluded and were outcasts. But he didn't just leave them that way. He always led them also to the truth. So love and truth go together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this should, I mean, this principle um, should be something that we live out as individual Christians and as a denomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, of course, human nature comes into play and sometimes we go into one extreme or the other. Yeah. But in the Word of God uh, and in the Word made flesh, Jesus, mm-hmm. we say, uh, see a balance of both, but not one uh, to the, uh, to the expense of, on the expense of the other. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we got to have both. And the beautiful thing is that all these prophecies, Daniel, Revelation, they, they focus on the Messiah. They mm-hmm. focus on Christ. And so as we, you know, you're saying is Adventism weird. It is weird if all you look at is numbers. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. we look at the focus of it, that's Jesus Christ, who is the truth and yes. the way and the life. Yeah. Um, it becomes the most beautiful, complete system of truth, the most beautiful picture and most beautiful revelation of God because he gives us restoration, belonging, healing, but also the truth and the right way to salvation and mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. There's these two ditches, it seems, that some have denied belonging altogether. Yes. Yes. That's all you have to do is believe. And if we believe the same thing, we're virtually the same anyway. Right. Yeah. And we've swung to the other uh, side. We're like, hey, yeah. you don't even need to believe. Yeah, that's cool. Just, just belong. Just that's, and if you belong long enough, you'll start believing what we believe anyway. You know, yeah. and, and, and the two have a, have a nice, nice uh, nexus with each other. We have a mis- I think we have a misconception of the way that God views reality. Mm. And uh, I was drawn to John chapter 1, verse 12, okay. which it doesn't John say exactly what, what I thought it said, but it, the, the, <laughs> okay. the point is still there. Corrected by the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and it says, but as many as received, I thought that word was believed. Oh. It says, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become. Where are you? John chapter, I'm sorry. John yeah, chapter John 1, 1 12. Verse, 12. verse 12. Okay. Yeah. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's there, to those who believe in his name, <laughs> right? It. So it's there, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so you know, for in, in terms of the way that God sees things, there's no such thing as like you can believe but not belong, you can belong but not believe. So this is super radical because like what, what, what God is saying is that in believing... There's something that happens is that you automatically belong, mm. right? Mm. You belong to the family of God. And so what God does here is, is so radical because normally you belong to a family based on how you're born, your birth. And Jesus says, you don't belong to me depending on how you're born, unless you're born again, right? But you belong to me depending on how you believe. Mm. And so what God is saying is, I have, I have provided a way for you to belong to my family, the family of God. And that, that, that process, that way to belong into my family is through whether or not you believe in me, mm. right? The, the, you, we're connected through belief. And so it's impossible for someone to believe but not belong and mm. belong but not believe. These two things are, they're an impossibility. Once you believe, 
you immediately belong. Mm -hmm. And if you and if you're missing one, it's because something is wrong in that mm -hmm. in that connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this question. Um, how important do doctrines believe? Uh, uh, what is the role of doctrines in belief and belonging? I think one, one thing that might help is, even though it's the same thing, but replacing the word with doctrine with truth. Mm -hmm. um, just simply because sometimes like, doctrine, sometimes we think, like, oh, it's just like a construct. Like, no, like, it, it's the truth. It's, it's what God said. Like, that's mm -hmm. where we get our doctrines from. Mm -hmm. um, and in this, we can't, like, you can't have a relationship with someone built on a non-reality. So we need to have. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Break that down. That was that was good. Say that again. Okay. That was good. And then break that down again. Okay. okay. Can't have a. You can't have a relationship with someone built on a non-reality. Okay. Which means. Which means. So yes. you can't have a relationship with a made-up God. Okay. So God, God exists, right? And He has, and there's just these things that are real, and mm -hmm. they just they are. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, I don't like that. I'm in a relationship with this God. Like, but that God doesn't exist. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing there floating in the space. So mm -hmm. you're just making something up doesn't fix it. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like, well, I don't like I don't believe that. Like you're denying reality. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like just say it like it is then. <laughs> I, I would say there are there are many people in the world who live like that, who do oh, believe yeah. in God. And I'm not I'm not I'm not contradicting you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who do who do believe in like, well, I want this kind of guy, and they customize. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to life's really real questions. Yeah. On where do I come from? Mm -hmm. Where are we? What is? What, where are we going? Yeah. What? What is meaning in life? What's my purpose? Then this kind of, as you said, this non-reality that they've created, it just crumbles, and none yeah. of these essential questions are answered. On it. You can't put weight on it. Yeah. So it may feel good. It may even look good. It may be even livable temporarily. Yeah. But but life hits, and they just crumble. I mean, it's it's as foolish as saying, you know, one of Sebastian's stories earlier in the season about like touching the. the oven to find the stove, yeah. stove to find it's hot and you'd be like well i don't like that it's hot like mm -hmm. well it is <laughs> so you can dislike it mm -hmm. but it's still gonna burn you mm -hmm. um in the same way that you know god is who he is and he has given us um his law and he's given us his love and he sent jesus and we can be like well i don't like that but that doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Yeah. So these doctors are not man-made constructs, but they're, yeah. they're, they're interpretations of, 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 of reality. And even for us, as you've said, like, it's in our best interest to be aligned with reality. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, well, it's better for me to believe in something else. Like, no, like it's, live in the way that God has created you because yes. your creator made you in the way for you to live an abundant life. Mm. And the only way for you to do that is to be in line with reality mm -hmm. that God has made. What, mm -hmm. what is so beautiful Nothing. is that through prophecy in the book of Daniel and Revelation, we see that God is calling his people in the last days out of all denominations, out of Babylon. He's yes. calling people, hey, come into the truth, come into Christ, mm -hmm. uh, come into the word and follow me all the way. Follow the Lamb wherever he goes, the Amen. book of Revelation says. Yes. And he's gathering up, he's using his people to reveal himself to the world. To be an Adventist is, is to have the identity of a, a Lamb follower wherever he goes and revealing the love of God to the world. And the love of God includes not just belonging, but also truth. Mm -hmm. And so we have an incredible identity, which is nothing we can, you know, we're not taking pride in that. We are, we're humble and thankful to God that he reveals things to the through the word to us human beings. Mm -hmm. But taking up that identity as a, mm -hmm. as a believer in the soon coming of Jesus mm -hmm. gives us a great opportunity to share with the world the love mm -hmm. of God. Well said, well mm -hmm. said. Hopefully you've been blessed by this entire 13-week segment on the book of Daniel. And maybe you're out there and you don't believe in God. And maybe you want to take a, a religious course and see what, how, what does the Bible really have to say and take the Bible seriously. Maybe you're a Christian out there and maybe this is the first time you heard about Adventism. Take a study into what Seventh-day Adventism and its interpretation of the Bible really is. And maybe you're a Seventh-day Adventist is maybe I got to take the Bible a little bit more seriously. Wherever we are on our journeys, let's take the Bible more seriously and let's take Jesus for at its word. 
Thanks for joining us this weekend. We'll see you next week here in Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.